Chris Corso here with the Vikings.com post-game report. It's a special Monday edition of the Vikings.com post-game report. I'm joined by Gabe Henderson on this edition of the show. And we waited a few days this week following a Christmas holiday, um, a tough loss to the New Orleans Saints. And we kind of just wanted to give it a few days to breathe, Gabe, and, and just come to terms with the fact that the Vikings season is now over following a 52-33 to loss in New Orleans um, on Christmas Day, a game where Alvin Kamara had six rushing touchdowns, and the team obviously scored 50-plus points. So um, with that, I bring in Gabe, and, and I hope you had a, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holiday, and, well, let's, let's try to talk this through, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, that, was, that was a tough game to watch, man, um, especially just going into the game, knowing we had a lot of guys banged up. You, you didn't know what to expect. I, I think the only hope that we had uh, coming into the game with this banged-up defense was Drew Brees. We don't know how far back he is. Like, you know, is, is he back in his normal form? And I, I think he showed pretty early on that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here to stay. You know, I'm, I'm back. I might not be 100%, but I'm, I'm good enough to win a game. And that pretty much showed itself through the entire game. Like, we couldn't <laughs> – we were trying to stop the pass and get pressure on Drew Brees, and then that opened up running lanes for um, Alvin Kamara. The Saints had 60 rushing yards on the first drive of the game. And, and from there, you just knew it was going to be a long game. And then it just – I feel like it just went downhill from there, man. It was – we really couldn't put much together on defense. And I feel like that that's pretty much the, the moral of the game, giving up the most yards allowed in franchise history. Um, not too many positive things to say um, regarding this game other than the, the guys didn't, didn't quit at all. Yeah, Gabe, the, the Vikings were super shorthanded on the defensive side of the ball. No Eric Kendricks, uh, just absolutely decimated on, on the defensive side, especially at the linebacker position. I think there were only three or four active linebackers on the roster because even the backup for Eric Kendricks, Todd Davis, was inactive for this game as well. As you said, a, a franchise worst, 583 net yards allowed to the Saints offense. I mean, that breaks a record from years and years ago, um, playing shorthanded and obviously giving up the 53-plus points, 155 yards rushing to Alvin Kamara, which is his career best. I mean, it, this was just a game where the rushing defense really, really struggled. And when you give up a league best six rushing touchdowns to one player um, in a single game, there's obviously questions that need to be answered. So, um, Gabe, I'm going to start out with that. You're an X's and O's guy. You've played the game in, in Division One college at, at, at Liberty. Congrats on the uh, the bowl win, by the way. Drop that in there. But, um, yeah, you, you know the X's and O's side of the ball from a defensive perspective. So I just want to ask you, what did you see from the Vikings rushing defense in this game, and why weren't they able to stop Alvin Kamara? Well, I think it was more so the the Saints offensive line just controlling the trenches. Um, pretty much the Saints ran inside zone, outside zone. And um, we saw a couple jet sweep actions. So, you know, to, to spread this Vikings defense out to be able to, you know, have running lanes. And, you know, Sean Payton, you know, just dialing up, you know, just how he was able to scheme this Vikings defense, like I said, by running those jet sweeps and motions, getting the defense outside the box and then using Alvin Kamara on, on the inside zone run right up the middle where the linebackers would be, um, that that pretty much was their success. I mean, you have, the Vikings had two linebackers 
uh, Blake Lynch and Hardy Nickerson, who pretty much haven't played much at all this season. So, um, you know, staying disciplined to their gaps. They, they weren't very disciplined in this game. You know, they weren't very um, savvy when it came to understanding where they needed to be at the right time. Eric Wilson, uh, he didn't play terrible, but you talk about that linebacker play, Eric Wilson dropped two short interceptions that eventually led to touchdown. So when you're not, you know, disciplining your gap assignments, and then when you have the opportunities to make plays, um, you have to do, you have to make those plays when you get the opportunity and Eric Wilson didn't do so. So it was just a, a trickle effect of, you know, not being at the right place at the right time and making the plays when it's actually given to you. And, I personally don't think this Vikings defensive line played their best game this year. Um, we saw we saw plenty of times Shamar Stephan and um, Jaleel Johnson, you know, just being just out man and you know being on the second level, being blocked back into the linebackers, and that's not what you want if you're a linebacker that's already having to think a lot um, when it comes to filling your gap when you have you know offensive linemen on the same level as you before you even fill a hole. So, hats off to the Saints for being able to you know, explored our weaknesses, knowing that we didn't have linebackers that were able to fill gaps and, you know, play their their, their assignments. And and that's pretty much all you can do. I mean, like I said, we knew that we weren't going to have the, the, our best defensive game. So when Eric Wilson, I think I tweeted earlier in the game, I was like, dude, Eric Wilson, he's not going to sleep tonight because those are two sure interceptions that he dropped. And Saints offense was driving and driving and driving and then boom, the ball's in your hand and you can't make a catch. And then two plays later, you score a touch, the offense scores a touchdown. So just great scheming by the Saints offense, and that's not capitalizing. They definitely schemed on 22 rushing attempts for Kamara. As we said, he had 155 yards rushing, six touchdowns. But on top of that, a former Viking, a player that all Vikings fans are very familiar with in Latavius Murray, on his 12 attempts, he added 72 yards on the ground as well. So just a complete uh, rushing attack for the Saints team. It seemed like in this game, they were really leaning on Alvin Kamara like the entire game. Because when you think of a Saints offense, you think of a Michael Thomas who was inactive on the IR for this game. You think of some of the players that they've had um, in these big games against the Vikings as of late. And this was literally just a running attack where Drew Brees really didn't seem like he was throwing the ball down the field um, like you've seen in years past. I mean, he had two interceptions in this game, and there were a few plays that could have gone the other way, as you previously stated, with the Eric Wilson play and a few others. Um, Brees was, had 311 passing yards, 19 of 26 on the game with two interceptions. So uh, just looking at kind of the overall attack of this Saints team, is, is there any reason why the Vikings couldn't just key in and stop Alvin Kamara? Like, what do you do in that situation when one player is just completely controlling the pace of, of the entire game? There's pretty much nothing you really can do because the game plan, you can tell the game plan going forward was to get pressure on Drew Brees to, to see how good his ribs were. And that opened up opportunities for Alvin Kamara to exploit the blitz and this Saints offense to find holes in between. I mean, Alvin Kamara had 96 rushing yards and three touchdowns in the first half, bro. Like clearly, clearly that, that, that blitz pickup or blitz, you know, blitzing schemes weren't working, even though we did have an intercept, two interceptions that, that, you know, turned into seven points for this Vikings offense. But at the same time, it was just a matter of not being able to get pressure on Drew Brees. And then once we stopped getting pressure on Drew Brees, 
and then we tried to stop the run, it was pretty much too late because the, the their offensive line had already gained confidence. I mean, you got Shamar Stephan, who is pretty much our staple in the inside. I mean, staple on the defensive line. I mean, he's getting pushed back, you know, four or five yards off the ball once the ball is snapped. I, I think a guy like Eric Kendricks and a guy like Anthony Barr, you know, when they see, you know, their, their defensive line getting pushed back, I feel like they can be a little bit more savvy and think things through and be able to, you know, plug a gap where they're able to make a play, even though the play isn't directly in, involved with them. So you had two linebackers that I think were just kind of kind of overthinking it. I mean, rightfully so. But at the same time, when you got a guy like Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees who are just having the day that they had, you really can't say too much, man. It's just like, hey, they, they just outmanaged. They had the better players on their team. Uh, this past Friday, and I think it pretty much showed just from the first drive of the game through the last drive of the game. And I, I don't know, man. It, I don't think you can put too too much on this defense, just just knowing the personnel that they had. But at the same time, those guys get paid, and you expect those guys to make plays on the Viking side of the ball, and they just didn't make enough, which led to uh, 52 points being scored on us, man. But, uh, I feel like that was just the, the, the moral of the story of the game is we just can't stop them. You definitely heard the disappointment from the veterans on this team, like an Anthony Harris after the game. We'll talk about that later. Um, they're just not used to giving up this many points and, and a team that we have really created such a rivalry with over the past few years. It definitely didn't seem like a Harrison Smith took this loss very easy. So um, let's, let's move on from the defense. I'm kind of over at this point. I feel like uh, we're looking forward to next year. We're going to get a lot of the starters back, which I am very excited about. We'll talk about that later on in the show, but I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball because um, this is a game where Kirk Cousins, I mean, he's playing from behind just like he did last week against the Chicago Bears. He completes 27 of 41 passes, 291 yards, three touchdowns, passer rating 110. Um, we hear it from Vikings fans all the time. They want to blame Cousins for, for taking the sacks that he did, especially in this game as well. Um, but, but how would you grade his overall performance in this game? I, I think – my only problem with his performance was not getting Justin Jefferson involved um, a little earlier in the game. But other than that, I think the, the Vikings quarterback and, and the offense as a whole had a pretty good game. Yeah, he, he did what he had to do. I don't think Kirk put us in a position to to lose the game. Like you said, we were playing from behind the entire time. I mean, some of the throws, some of the sacks, I think he could have been a little bit more decisive. But we did see him throwing the ball away a little more. He threw the ball away twice. I think Vikings fans would have wanted that against the, you know, um, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you can tell he he improved when it came to being a little more pocket aware. But at the same time, there two of those sacks were like, hey, man, you know, maybe step up in the pocket or maybe, you know, scoot up and run to the right. I mean, you can tell he didn't trust his old line, especially with, you know, the defensive line that the, the New Orleans Saints have. But if I had to give Kirk a grade, I would probably give him a, you know, a B. I don't think it was good enough to win the game, but he didn't do enough to lose the game either. I mean, 27 to 41, 291 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He did what he had to do, but you talk about Justin Jefferson getting him involved early. Let's give some credit to Marshawn Lattimore. Like that, that's a hell of a corner on the other side of the ball. And I was talking um, to, to some people off camera when the game was going on. And I was like, you know, Justin Jefferson, he's good. He's a dog, but as a rookie, I think he found his match. Like he, he found a guy that has played really good corner, really good receivers and can shut down a really good receiver. I mean, just Jefferson didn't have a bad game, right? I mean, he has six catches, 85 yards, but at the same time, he worked for every single catch, every single yard. I mean, 10 targets, 
only six catches. I mean, he he had a good game. I mean, the the, the route that that went viral when he almost scored, it was a, a nice little slant route when he you know juked the, the safety that was coming downhill. Like he had a good game, but at the same time, the Saints defense is really good, man. Kirk Cousins and this offense put up 33 points. And as a quarterback and as a quarterback coach and as offense coordinator, that's all you want. 30, 33 points should be enough to win in the NFL. But at the same time, with the defense struggling, uh, Kirk Cousins wasn't able to do enough to win. So you, you can't put everything on him, but at the same time, you can say, hey, could have did a little bit more. And I'm sure he would say the same thing. Well, let's move on to the post-game sound, Gabe. We'll take a listen to Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer, who was obviously not happy following the game. All right, very disappointing defensively today. Um, couldn't stop the run, didn't cover well, couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback, didn't tackle. So uh, very, very disappointing. I thought offensively we played well, moved the ball well, ran the ball, um, did a nice job in protection for the most part till it got – you know, where it was thrown every down. And then uh, they got some zero blitzes in there. But um, really disappointed defensively. Got to work really hard to score, to give up 52. Could you have foreseen anything like this happening during the week in practice? I know you obviously had had some injuries. No, but I saw it last week in the last game, too. Mike, you put a lot of players out in the field today that didn't have a lot of NFL experience. Is that still any excuse uh, not to be able to execute and pull them under 50? No, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't think being young has got anything to do with tackling. Um, you know, they manhandled us up front pretty well with the, with the front, front guys and linebackers, and, but we didn't tackle. And then, you know, and then when we had chances, you know, we didn't cover and we didn't cover very well today. You know, guys were corners guys defensive backs came off the receivers and so that was disappointing Mike it wasn't only giving a 52 it was the way they did it with Kamara getting those six touchdowns I mean obviously now you're out of the playoffs but what do you what do you how do you come back from that for this uh last game yeah, I don't know, Don. Uh, you know, we're we're a little undermanned, but uh, you know, they should be playing better than they should play better than that. Uh, and it really wasn't so much the six touchdowns. It was it's more that they they just mashed us up front. You know, we couldn't couldn't slow them down. Couldn't uh, you know? It'd be eight yard gain, seven yard gain. Uh, you know, the first touchdown we fitted wrong with the linebackers, I believe. Uh, you know, so it was just, it was one of those kind of days. Uh, Mike, you had said before the season to the NFL Network that you'd never had a bad defense. Would you classify what happened today and what's happened this season as a bad defense? Yeah, this is a bad defense. Worst one I've ever had. And with that said, it's not attributed all to injuries, like you said. Um, is it a, a not retaining information for the ones that are still in there? Or what, what can you put your finger on that way? Um, Don, if you look at the playoff game last year and you look at the, the guys that were playing in that game and the guys who were playing today, 
it's completely 100% different. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, other than, I mean, you've been decimated by injuries and every bad thing that could happen to you. So with the guys that you're in there, you're calling them a bad defense, but are they playing up to their potential? Do you know what I'm saying? Or, or, or not? uh, I don't know. Um, It's hard to say you're playing up to your potential when, you know, you, you don't cover the receiver on a route. Um, You know, you, it's it's hard to say that. So, Mike, what do you think it takes to to get it fixed with that defense? Well, we got to get Hunter back. We got to get Pierce here. We got to get Barr, Kendricks. Uh, you know, all the Pro Bowl players that we, the good players that we have, they need to be back. And then, you know, we got to, you know, we lost another corner again today. You know, if you, you go back, and honest, I'm not trying to make excuses. It was embarrassing today, but. You know, we've got – we're missing uh, three def- – four defensive linemen. We're missing a safety. We're missing three uh, corners. We're missing six linebackers, I believe, from where we started. I mean, you know, just – we're just a little undermanned. But that's still no excuse. These guys put on an NFL jersey and they got to play. Time for two more. Mike, what do you think the issue was um, at the end of the first half with the two-minute drive? Um, I think you guys called the timeout there with 12 seconds left. Could you just not get a play before then? Be the play, Kirk. At least at that point, looked pretty frustrated leaving the field. Then after that shot to Irv, or excuse me, to Conklin at the end. The headset went out and he couldn't get the play. And so instead of letting the clock run out, I called timeout. What did you see out of Alvin Kamara today? I mean, he kind of had his way with you guys tying an NFL record and six touchdowns. Yeah, it's not so much the touchdowns. He's a hard running back. He's a good player, and uh, he's been good all the time. Well, Gabe, you heard it there from head coach Mike Zimmer, and he's not one who who really uh, makes any excuses for his defense. I mean, he when his defense doesn't play well, um, he does not take it well. Um, he has the standards of of – I can't even tell you how high his standards are for his defense um, the past five years that, that I've watched him here. And um, it, it really is amazing the improvement um, since he took over in 2014 and the way that each year he's continued to improve this defense uh, to the point where they, they lost a bunch of free agents this year and they lost a bunch of players to injuries. And obviously you have the crazy COVID year. Um, so when you hear a statement like that, that this is one of the worst defenses I've ever had, um, he's obviously not happy. We know that, that, that quote went pretty viral on social media following, following that game. But I just want to ask, how do we move forward? How do, how do we look ahead to 2021 and, and move forward and, and get through this last game against the, against the Lions? Yeah, I think the only thing you can really learn from this game is we didn't give up, like I said in the beginning. So moving forward, all, all you can do is just have a pretty good, have a good game against the Detroit Lions. We know that's a team that's struggling right there. Uh, so if you go into that game and you win that game, I think you give Vikings fans a little bit of hope. I mean, every every team wants to end their their season with a win. So if you end that season with a win against a, a division rival, um, I think that builds a little bit of confidence going forward. I'm not sure who's going to play this week, but at the same time, the guys who do play, you, you got to put it all out there. And 
I mean, the the Lions aren't a good team. I mean, records go out the window when you're playing against the Lions. It's like, hey, we're we're supposed to win this game. Like we're we're the big brother here. So going forward, I, I think a lot of these young guys will get a lot of opportunities. So I, I think it'll give Vikings fans a little bit of hope to see what they're going to get next year. Um, you know, a guy like James Lynch who played this played a majority of the snaps. I mean, well, we had six rookies that started against the Saints this past Sunday. I mean, this past Friday. So seeing those guys, seeing how they develop against a Lions team or, you know, if they can make some plays, I think you you leave this year with a positive taste in your mouth that next year is going to be a pretty a pretty special year because you got a lot of veterans coming back. But at the same time, these these year one guys, they're making a big jump in year two. I mean, you, you see the biggest growth between an NFL player from year one to year two. So I think you just build on the confidence that you have. Uh, in this Detroit Lions game and, and have that confidence going forward because that's pretty much all you can do right now. You really can't look too far back in the future. It's like, hey, what, what happened in the past 15 games that happened? Um, we're, I mean, it's 2021 now. We, we want we want to start 2021 off with a great start, and you do so by beating the Detroit Lions with a lot of young players in a convincing fashion. For me, Gabe, I honestly don't think I care about the score against the Lions. I just think that like it's invaluable every snap that a Jeff Gladney gets or a Cameron Dantzler gets or James Lynch gets DJ Wanham, all these guys, every single snap that they get, I think is just such valuable experience. Yeah. If you see uh, DJ Wanham get a sack on, on Matt Stafford or whoever is playing quarterback for the Lions in this game, I think that's just going to be like a huge uh, jump into next into the offseason and and that's what I'm looking for in this game I, I want to see these young guys all play um, even if you sit a veteran here or, or Harrison Smith doesn't play or whatever it might be uh, that's what I'm looking for in this final game and I think that leads us perfectly to this next um, press conference which we're not going to play all the sound from Monday where we're, we're going to just kind of summarize um, what the Vikings said following the game and um, Anthony Harris spoke after the game and we know that he's on the franchise tag this year, and we know that we don't know if he's going to be back, but um, he took on a totally different role this year. He, he led the NFL in interceptions last year with six, and this year we kind of joked with him earlier uh, in the season on one of our shows that he kind of gave up those stats and those numbers to be kind of a leader on this team and, and teach some of these young cornerbacks. So when he says that's not our brand of football when he's talking after the game – I, it, it really stood out to me because uh, it, it was tough on those guys this year. It's tough on, on the veterans who have been here through the growth of this defense. I mean, he was a practice squad undrafted guy himself that, that has grown, grown in this, in this entire um, organization. So what, what do you do when you're in his situation, when you're a veteran like Anthony Harris, how do you approach some of these young guys against, against the game coming up and, and just moving forward? I think you just tell them that they're the future of the team. Um, like you, you guys are brought here for a reason. Like you guys have been playing all these snaps for a reason. Like there, there's a, there's an end goal here. And even though this season didn't go the way we wanted to, you still have to put good film out there for coaches to look at. Like this last game is going to be what coaches are going to look at uh, heading into the 2021, 2022 season. So for Ant Harris, who's on, you know, the franchise tag right now, his future is, we, we don't know what his future holds. I think you just embrace the fact that, hey, my, my job right now is just to help the young guys who we know are for sure are going to be on this roster next year. So 
these guys, I mean, you got to put good tape out there. Like you said, Jeff Gladney, uh, DJ Wanham, uh, James Lynch, like those guys are going to get some pretty valuable snaps this upcoming Sunday. And if I'm Ant Harris, I'm telling those guys, dude, make, make the most out of this. Start your New York right. Make the most out of your snaps because Vikings fans, Vikings staff, other players, they're going to see this and say like, all right, this is where this guy was at the end of last year. Let, we're going to make another step in year two and go from there. Because like I said, these guys are the future you just you just build on it man like you really can't look back like I I really like Ant Harris I mean he's a veteran he's a veteran and he understands these guys understands the locker room understands the pulse of the team and at the end of the day while he's getting older and like I said his future is uncertain you, you do have to understand that hey there's going to be a bright future ahead so let's make sure these these young Vikings understand what it takes uh, to put in the work and make sure that this season ends on the right note. One of the Vikings who I'll be tracking on the offensive side of the ball is Irv Smith Jr., who had a phenomenal game in his hometown of New Orleans with two touchdowns against the Saints. I think he was probably um, one of the really positive notes in this game, one of the only really positive notes in this game. And it's pretty crazy that he's had five touchdowns in the last five games since he's really taken on a bigger role. Um, since Kyle Rudolph went down with that injury. So uh, we also saw some some bright spots from Tyler Conklin in the past few games as well, which we've touched on on, on a lot of our shows. But I want to talk about Irv Smith because he's the Vikings second-round draft pick from last year from Alabama who, I mean, he's about as big of a name as a, of a tight end that we've drafted uh, since Kyle Rudolph. So um, what, are your, what are your expectations for Irv just heading into the future? And, and I, I don't know if there's a ceiling for this guy. I really don't. For Irv, I, I really do think the sky is the limit for him. Like, he he has the chance to be a premier tight end in this league. I mean, we, we've seen some of the plays that he's made. Like you said, five touchdowns in the past five games. I mean, this past Friday pretty much showed that, hey, Ursma Jr., he's, he's a perennial player. Like, in a, in a couple of years, you're going to be mentioning him with, with some of the t- top tight ends in the game. Your uh, Travis Kelsey's and your George Kittles. Like, he, he, he can ball. He, he can ball. And I think this year, you know, coming from year one where he was trying to find himself and try to figure out where does he where does he fit in this offense? I think in year two, even after the injuries, even before the injuries, it, we were like, OK, Ursula Jr., the game is slowing down for him and he understands where he needs to be at the right time. I think these past five games have shown that, hey, the game is slowed down and now I can finally make plays. So it, it, for, for Ursula Jr., I, I think Vikings fans should continue to expect a lot from him because he expects a lot from himself. I think this past Friday game pretty much, you know, showed on primetime TV that, all right, this guy, Irv, he, he's here to play. Like, he's here to be a starting tight end. Like, he's – even Tyler Conklin, I mean, I feel for, for Kyle Rudolph. He's, he's a guy that, you know, just an unfortunate injury. I mean, he's Mr. Minnesota Viking. Like, the guy has put in 10 years of work. I mean, he's just – I mean, he's going to retire Viking, but at the same time, I feel like Ursula Jr. and Tyler Conklin, Ursula Jr. in particular, have made it tough for these coaches not to put him in, and that that is the that's where you want to be as a tight end or any position. You when you get your opportunity, you want to make sure the coach you want to make sure you do so well that the coaches have an argument or have problems trying to figure out where can I put this guy on the field. And Ursula Jr. has done that, and I think in year three, he's only going to get better. Like I. I I, I'm, I'm so excited to see his growth this year, just from, you know, game one until now. I mean, we've seen him deal with injuries, him deal with, you know, not getting the ball the first few games and then 
being able to still mentally lock in and then see the fruition. I mean, the fruits of his labor just, you know, showed last Friday. I, I think the future is bright, man. I, I think the Vikings have a, a, a tight end that they can be very versatile with. They have a tight end that, you know, you can create many mismatches with. And going forward, I think Gary Kubek and this offense are going to try to exploit some of those weaknesses. So so, so hats off to, to Ersma Jr. for putting the performance performances he's put on the past few weeks. Yeah, I totally agree, Gabe. And, and you have to be pretty excited for this Vikings offense as well with the future of some of these players. I mean, when you have an Irv Smith uh, as a, as, I mean, you forget the guy's only like 21 years old. Like, uh, like he's one of the premier young talents at the tight end position in this league. And then you go up and down the Vikings offensive depth chart. I mean, you have Dalvin Cook, the best running back in the NFL at the running back position with Alexander Madison behind him. At the wide receiver position, you have the veteran in Adam Thielen, and you have the next superstar in the league in Justin Jefferson, who just broke Randy Moss's rookie receiving uh, record. I mean, it, it's amazing some of the talent that you have at the playmaking positions um, for the Vikings offense. So I'm just going up and down the Vikings offense right now, just just top of head. But um, I, I want to ask you, Gabe, like what positions do, do we need to address on the offense moving forward? I, for me, I think you go no other spot than the interior offensive line. Like that's what needs to be addressed, whether it's in the draft, free agency. We don't know if we're going to have the kind of money this year with the salary cap most likely going down um, following this, this crazy year with COVID. But uh, I'm drafting some interior offensive linemen. I'm trusting a Brian O'Neill and an Ezra, Ezra Cleveland on, on that side of the offensive line. But um, yeah, if, if you can fill a few spots on the offensive line and, and stick with the Garrett Bradbury, Ezra Cleveland, Brian O'Neill tandem with some of these playmakers, I, it, it's, it's pretty amazing the, the way that Rick Spielman has drafted on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, you definitely address, I think the, the only position that that really raises the eyebrow right now is the offensive line that like you said the interior spot um Ezra Cleveland I think they have to figure out what are they going to do with him yep. uh, is he going to be the you know future right guard or are you going to you know change his position again because he's played you know three or four positions well three positions since um since he's been drafted so I think you the first thing you do is address where where does Ezra Cleveland fit on this offensive line and then from there you address everything else on offensive line. Like there, like you said, the, the salary cap issues, um, you know, Rick Spielman and those guys, they're going to have their hands full trying to figure, figure, you know, things out this off season. But I mean, they're, they're, they're professionals. They've been doing this for a long time. So I definitely trust uh, their judgment and trying to figure out the next steps this offensive line takes moving forward. Um, but I, I think I personally think this offense is set. You got your quarterback. You got, like you say, you got your running backs. You got your tight ends that we just talked about, and you have your receivers. Um, I think now it's just making sure that you know you find your your key third receiver. I think I think they they that's another position that well another spot that they have to highlight is like as far as like all right, who is our third guy? Is, is are we gonna trust BC Johnson to be that third guy? Are we gonna trust Chad Beebe to be that third guy? Are we gonna trust uh, another rookie to be that third guy is is more so trying to figure out our what is our identity when it comes to the outside because we we got two guys that could that can you know stretch the field that can we have a possession receiver and then we have a guy in Justin Jefferson that can stretch the field so from there it's like all right well what what about that third guy because we've seen a lot of teams you know stack the box and then take Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen away so it's like outside of Irv Smith Jr. 
who's going to be that third receiver that we can count on to maybe be a 100-yard receiver this game and maybe put pressure, more pressure on the defense to guard another guy that uh, can can cause a threat for can cause a threat on a on a opposing defense. So we'll, we'll see, man. It's there's a lot of questions that needs to be answered this year, but I think the offensive side of the ball, there's only two questions that need to be answered, and it's third receiver and interior offensive lineman. And you, you move on from there. I think you move on with, with with confidence that this Vikings offense can can figure it out moving forward. I agree, Gabe, and, and we'll look forward now to this last game of the season against the Detroit Lions. Thank you for filling in for Cy Robinson and Ben Lieber and just crushing uh, this show on, on this Monday morning. And we'll be back with our last Vikings.com postgame report with the entire crew following the game against the Lions. And I'm excited for an offseason for the Vikings. It's been quite the crazy year on and off the field, and, and now we can finally look forward, focus on development, and focus on the future of this team, which I think is very, very bright, returning the amount of players that will be returning um, from injury uh, from the following year. So you forget, Gabe, that Daniil Hunter didn't play this entire season. So um, that'll do it for the Vikings.com postgame report. This is Chris Corso for Gabe Henderson, Cy Amundsen, and Ben Lieber. We will see you next week.